0: Welcome to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show. Today we'll be interviewing Managing Director Peter Serra from Select Group and Select Architects, as well as talk about the industries that are hot and the industries that are not. Welcome to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show, where successful managers and experts share their insights to help you recruit and retain the right people in your organisation. Now here's your host, Marie Herreth. Hello and welcome to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show. My name's Marie Herath. I'm the Director of Harvest Recruitment and Harvest Human Resources, and it is our aim to assist managers attract, select and retain the right people in their business. And we've been hosting our podcast show to assist managers in that endeavour. Today, we're joined by Peter Serra, who is managing director of an architectural practice that is located in Melbourne, Adelaide and Geelong. And he's only, I think he's in his fifth year in the business. Um, it's It hasn't been long anyway. And he's had some great growth um, in probably an economic climate that says anything but growth is possible. And he shares a little bit about how he approaches uh, recruitment and how he looks for the right people for his team and particularly the right cultural fit. So we're going to look forward to having Peter as part of the show later on. Uh, we've also got chat about what's going on in industry. Um, There's a few ups and downs at the moment. So we'll talk about those in our um, feedback and in also our listener question and let you know what's on for the month of April. So join us for the show. Well, we've definitely filled the show for you today. We have um, today's question, which is the difference between an employment agency and a recruitment firm. It's a common question that we do get asked. In the forum, we are telling you about what we've been doing in Facebook world um, and also on our website and some things that you can look at on our website, harvesthr.com.au. In our feedback segment, we've couched our feedback session for industry trends, so giving a bit of feedback on what's happening in the industry, what's hot, what's not, as well as some feedback from a recent outplacement program another side of our business did. So that's a a different focus, but demonstrated that we've got some capability there that um, the attendees definitely gained value from. And of course, we've got our interview with Peter Serra, Managing Director of Select Architects and Select Group. And he joins us to share his journey in growing a business and how important it is to get the right people early in order to forge growth. Today's question talks about um, sourcing candidates, actually. We got a question at our breakfast that we held last week, which was on candidate sourcing. And we just talked about a range of different ways to source candidates. But one question that came up is, what's the difference between an employment agency and a recruitment firm? And these names are thrown up. And even when people Google search for recruitment assistance, they actually put employment agency into the Google search. So there is that confusion out there as to who does what and what is the service that I'm going to get. So let me just clarify the difference. So, first of all, an employment agency tends to be connected to Centrelink in some way. So, people who are unemployed who go for Centrelink for the Um, Centrelink Benefits, they get delegated to an employment agency. And it depends on the numbers that employment agency has on their books, whether they've got openings for more people that they can assist in the return to work process. So, the employment agency is part of Job Services Australia, which is what it's called now. And they're quite often referred to as JSAs. And their role is to work with the unemployed individual who they call their clients to get them an employer. And so they will have a business development person who will be going out and meeting with prospective employers, presenting employment agencies as an offering. And then for that requirement, they will find who on their database of unemployed people might be Most suitable for the requirement that the employer has. Now, I'd be strongly focused on the candidate database because job services agencies, by nature, they only have a certain client pool and it's the people that they're given by Centrelink at any point in time. So, what you would be getting as an employer is the best of their group of clients who are currently unemployed. So, you may get a good one, but you may not get a good one. But you're always doing a service to re-employ the unemployed. So, for that, that's part of the um, getting people off the Centrelink benefits is crucial. And if there's any employers that are willing to treat it as not just someone's going to do my job, but give these people work skills again, let them know and teach them and mentor them and train them on what work looks like. And these people need a lot of support structure. And yes, the JSA provides an element of that support structure, but also highly recommend that the employer goes in with open eyes, knowing that these people might have barriers to employment and they might not be used to the nine to five or seven to three grind every single day. And that repetitive work environment is difficult for them. Now, the plus side, as well as you're helping someone get off the, you know, Centrelink benefits, but you're also um, going to receive funding for it. So, the funding that is on offer is based on the person who comes into your organization staying three months is your first payment, and then six months is your second payment. And the funding hovers between, you know, it could be three, pardon me, three to about 6,000 could be a little bit less, a little bit more depending on the circumstance of the individual that's getting placed into your organisation. So the fantastic thing you might say is it's a funded service. I get funding, happy days, but quite often that money is is definitely handy, but it's also used in significant training, support, mentoring as well of the individual that you probably wouldn't necessarily have to do for someone who is just coming out of the market currently employed moving to your company. So, which brings me to the recruitment services company. Now, recruitment services companies are a fee-driven organisation or fee-driven industry. So, they get their fees um, either for the service, which is the recruitment service that you engage them to do, or the delivery, so the placement of a candidate. So, their clients are the employers. So, it is their absolute objective to find out what it is you as the employer are looking for and then use a whole host of sourcing strategies by which to get the best candidate for you. Now, it might mean if you've got a blue-collar worker or an administration role, the candidate pool can still come from these JSAs um, or employment agencies where you could potentially get funding, which would offset the recruitment fee. They don't just look at that as one channel only, they go multi-channels in terms of sourcing your candidates. So then you get the group of unemployed people and they can go to many JSAs. They're not restricted. You can get the group of people who are applying actively to advertisements, which is a different group. Again, you can get people through the database of that recruitment firm. So if they specialize in your industry, then they're going to have candidates that are going to be discipline matches With your company, and they will look at other sourcing channels as well. So, depending on the scarcity of skill, they will go much broader to find the people. But I just wanted to frame it so that people are aware there's definitely employment agencies and there's recruitment firms, employment agency funded recruitment firms. You pay a fee for service for the delivery of a result, which is the ideal fit and the right fit for your team, your division, your organisation. What's happening in the forum? We have our Facebook um, fan page that runs quite well and we get a lot of interaction there. So if you're wanting to engage on a more casual basis, feel free, Uh, we're at forward slash harvest HR. And you'll see some photos of what we've been up to, some of the breakfast we've been running. I've been fortunate to have a number of columns in the the local paper. So there's some pictures of the columns that we've been running. We presented at Deakin University um, to their international students on job search tips and what's happening in the market. Uh, So yeah, there's a bit going on and you'll see what we're doing aside from podcast and aside from our recruitment work um, in that forum. Now, if you want to know what we're up to in recruitment, of course, our jobs and careers page um, on our website will take you to the type of work we recruit and the jobs we've got on at the moment. And um, so that's at our website, harvesthr.com.au. And if you go onto the front page, you'll be able to quickly dovetail to the careers tab. But also while you're there, have a check on a few other tabs because, yeah, we've got a comprehensive service covering recruitment, human resources, career coaching, and outplacement. And we've been busy in some of our other areas as well, which we'll bring up in the feedback segment. So whether you're wanting to do a casual chat on Facebook or look at what we're doing formally on our website, you're more than welcome to. And there's formal contact forms as well on the website if you do wish to get in touch. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, which really captures everything that we're doing as well. So I look forward to hopefully seeing you or hearing from you in one of our forums what's coming up in our events landscape we have a few events in april it is easter so there's going to be one week that not much happens but every other week we're going to be doing something which is fantastic so the second week of april we have our careers workshop so we've got the webinar on the 14th of april the actual uh, workshop in our Geelong office on the 15th of April, uh, which are basically helping job seekers um, steer their career as well as give them practical tips for writing their resume and interview techniques. Then we go back to employers and assisting you, and we're focusing this month on candidate interviews and other validation techniques in our Harvest HR breakfast briefing, which is on Thursday the 17th of April at Winters Cafe. Uh, We'd love to see you. And again, if you're not in Geelong, we're running it via webinar later that day. Then we have the last week of April, we're going to be involved with um, Backlinks, which is part of Karingal and that's helping long-term unemployed um, get back, or long-term unemployed women get back into the workforce. And we'll be um, presenting a segment as part of that day and giving a show bag, uh, which will um, focus on resume writing and interview techniques for the group that will be coming through. So, yeah, that's our April and hopefully we'll see or hear you um, at one of our events. We've got some great feedback from another part of our business. It's a side of our business that we launched in 2012, which is our careers programs. And last month we were invited by one of Alcoa's service providers to um, take their workforce through a quite condensed and succinct um careers workshop program. So we run a um a 10 session careers program and it can be ran over ten months, five months, ten weeks, um, or as we did last week three days. So we did the condensed version, um, 10 sessions, three days, um, th- with a workforce that had just come out, um, offsite from Alcoa. And, um, so we, have careers counselors and careers coach that um, present the bulk of that um, training but they also wanted a little bit more local content. Uh, so I was able to present and I was priv- privileged to to share my knowledge of what's going on in the industrial landscape both regionally and nationally. and so and that was um, something that I, I mentioned at the start of the show is there's industries that are hot. Um, and industries that are not, and yeah, you know, Alcoa is classic case in point where that is an industry that is not hot. Um, most big metals processing companies are just finding they are price non-price competitive in the market. So we saw it um, in Newcastle a few years ago um, with BHP exiting there and a big upheaval to that township uh, when a lot of the foundries and um, further um, fabricating um, workshops just went by the wayside. And a lot of these big, like, processing companies, the ones that take, take the... Um, the like the iron from the ore and 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 basically turn it into the next value add. It's a it's a quite a, um, expensive exercise to do, and these companies are just struggling, and they're basically competing with markets overseas where the cost of labour is significantly less. Um, The Australian dollar has not helped us in terms of commodity pricing um, and has made industries which were once profitable, non-profitable. So that's where we found a lot of industries that have not um, performed so well. But where Australia is losing its traditional manufacturers, it is welcoming and doing quite well on innovative manufacture. So this is more research-based manufacture um, or value-add um, manufacturer that we're finding that there is growth. So, And these companies aren't as big, they're quite lean and they run quite lean. You might find a number of boutique manufacturers that house somewhere between 30 and 60 employees, uh, but they're coming through. Don't you worry about that. We're seeing companies um, come to our region and they include... The companies attached to Deakin University um, with their uh, industrial research um, commercialization facility that's that's actually um, coming into being and the first company of course that um, is well known is carbon revolution and they've just received funding to scale up their manufacturing operation for the production of carbon fiber wheels, um, particularly for the luxury and um, high-end automotive market. Uh, we're seeing. Other companies come to the region. We've got fertilizer companies. We've got chemicals companies. We've also got a number of service providers as well that are that are changing location. And we've got call centers as well that are coming up in the region. Um, and also energy companies. Um, I think we've got a biofuel. So, again, a, it's an innovative um, style of industry based on um, sustainability and environmental sustainability. So those are some new industries that are coming up as well. I did say that I was going to talk about the industries that are hot and not in the in the early part of the show, so I thought what better time than the feedback se- segment. But when I was um, presenting at the Outplacement Program last week, I just got grilled by the um, (laughs) attendees and I I loved it, to be honest. I, I don't mind if people want to know information about certain companies and I can provide that information, then they are able to receive knowledge that potentially they would not have received from a general outplacement program. But we did ask them for feedback and at the end we got some fantastic feedback and I'll just read some of their um, words that came out of the workshop. A great workshop gave me the tools I needed to take the next step in my career. I really enjoyed the personality profile drivers, everything on day one. Personal development was very relevant also, really, really enjoyed it. Thanks Marie and Meredith. Meredith is my careers counsellor that I brought in for the session It was very useful for me and my job search. Thanks for everything. I appreciate the individual time Marie and Meredith spent answering questions. They were so genuine and it came through in how they presented. Thank you for your patience and understanding and sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. Very enthusiastic presenters, very practical understanding of businesses in the Geelong area. Thank you. Encouraging to help me start looking for a new job. Great presenters. Meredith was very good. Marie is very impressive. Outstanding in knowledge and presentation. So those were uh, the feedback that we got from the attendees or some of the attendees um, in the workshop. And we pulled that workshop together. Um, Probably it was... Seven working days to pull it together with the local content as well and deliver. So we were really impressed, and we know that we've got a very intelligent audience that we presented to, and they will. And I'm confident of that. They will find themselves another job. They're not. They're not bitter. They're a little bit displaced, but um, they've got some great skills, which the industry. Could really benefit from whether it be mechanical engineering or electrical engineering or design or project management. Um, there was a whole host of fantastic skills in the room last week. Today it is with great pleasure that I introduce Peter Sarah, Managing Director of Select Group and Select Architects, as our guest today. I came across Peter he actually remembers meeting me before I remember meeting him. It was approximately four years ago. So I was very early in my business as well. He was very early in his and we've stayed in touch um, through mutual circles and business networks and so forth. And um, I saw him last year and he actually picked up a Geelong Business Excellent Awards for customer service. And so I guess that was him arriving in Geelong and being recognised by by the judging panel as a company committed to excellence in customer service. And we've been, um, yeah, just chatting on a few things um, on recruitment and HR uh, front. And then I actually asked him, Peter, do you mind if I interview you? Because sometimes if I um, ask a um, line manager within a company, it's quite difficult to get the approval, I guess, um, from various parties to release their interview. Whereas if you're the managing director, then it's up to you to say yes or no. So I had the pleasure of Peter's company, and we just talked through about the building blocks of his growth milestones in the company, um, some things that perhaps didn't go to plan, and also some things that he reflects were great decisions that he made along the way. So would you please welcome Peter Sarah? Hello and welcome. I'm here with Peter Sarah, Managing Director of Select Group and we're going to talk to Peter. He's had an interesting journey over the last four years um, in his business and we're going to find out a little bit about his business, how he's grown his business and some of his secrets to employing the right staff in his business. So welcome, Peter.
1: Thanks, Bere. Good to be here.
0: So tell us about Select Group.
1: Well, a Select Group, I guess we started um Uh, in 2006 and when I say we it was me I started in the laundry at the back of my house in Belmont
0: fantastic so it
1: was it was humble humble beginnings and uh, even though we had a vision of the group we actually started as select architects but um, through the process we've evolved now and we offer um, a multi-disciplinary service to, to our clients so the whole idea is that we we bring on not only architecture but we've got town planning land surveying project management interiors that we can we can start to really concentrate on what client outcomes are so rather than just delivering a a pretty set of uh drawings or or giving someone a town planning or doing a a land a land survey we we can work together collaboratively and and uh deliver clients outcomes so what gets them going depending on where they are and what sectors they're in
0: fantastic so what prompted you to launch your own business? Were you, like, what was the history prior to select?
1: Well, I'd, um, I'd worked in a couple of multidisciplinary companies. So one, mainly over in the, in the WA, I worked for a, uh, a development firm that had a construction arm, an investment arm, a marketing arm. And then over in the UK, I worked for a firm that uh, had, had multiple disciplines again. So they had architecture, engineering, and I saw the benefits not only for the firms I work for, but for the the customers who they were serving. That all of a sudden, that uh, and it happens in all sorts of different professions. Instead of uh, this, well, it wasn't me; it was them, and uh, it was a coordinator. I didn't get that from late from this consultant. That you could just really concentrate on 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 delivery and what was best for the for the client. So it was off the back of those mm. that in those positions I held in in uh, WA and the UK. That when I came back to Australia, I thought, well, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to offer the same sort of thing here? So, so it was always a, a vision of mine that um, I, I could take it on and even even take it a bit further.
0: So you came to your own business as, a, as an architect and was that the launching pad to sort of start with the architectural services or did you yeah. start with offering the whole multidisciplined approach?
1: It, it's, uh, the vision was always there for the multidisciplinary a, a, approach. But I'm a registered architect, mm-hmm. so incrementally it made sense <coughs> to do architecture first and then once we got a bit, body of work then to start to roll out the other disciplines so we could really make it uh, more of a collaborative approach. So that, that's how it all started and that's why it was a uh, it was a few years ago where we just select architects, mm-hmm. but now we've rebranded and we've brought these other disciplines on board, so we're a select group. But even then, with, with the disciplines we've got, we're, we're still looking for this end-to-end service. So the, the idea is if someone comes to us and uh, they might not even have any land, they might just have an idea that through a development arm, it might be a construction arm, through all the different services as well, that we can hand the keys over to them in the end. Or who, who knows, we can even lease it out for them. We might have facilities managers as well. But it's, it's this whole... Um, total service offering that we can take it all the way through. So we've got a a long way to go go before we get there, but, uh, you know, we're we're making tracks and and I guess part of what um, is encouraging, it's all well and good to have these ideas, but we've had success from it. So um, with the different services and and with getting out there to to customers, it, it is a competitive edge for us. And and it's it uh, we get people coming in, and when we ask them, well, why, why did you pick up as a, a, above the others? Well, it's because you do offer this collaborative approach that we we know we only have to come to one person, and that we can that that you're representing us across all these disciplines. We feel as if you are focused on what we want rather than what you want. You're not about you know uh, getting your your uh, awards in a competition or anything like that. We we really think that you, you hold our our intents and what our desires are close to the process.
0: Mm. And going from the standard architecture and to building and scaling that up, how long did it take to get the, the business in the multidisciplinary field versus um, architecture? Was it several years it, it, as architecture yeah, only?
1: It was, it was several years. It was. And and part of it was that the uh, once we got to a body of work in the architecture... It could feed the other disciplines. So that was the best way rather than starting up three fresh businesses all without a client base. We were able to get the the architecture discipline to a point where the other uh, t- town planning, land surveying, could spring back board off that because mm-hmm. we had the clients there and there was a body of work. So it wasn't as if we had these start-up companies again. And then from there we started to, to mould it all into a group offering.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. And looking at the business now, what's the size of Select Group? You're into your eighth year, is it?
1: It eighth? is our eighth year, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So. From, from, well, just from me in the, my laundry in, in Belmont, now we've got, um, I think our head count's about 33, and we have offices in, in Geelong, uh, Melbourne, and Adelaide. Very good. Mm.
0: Now, for you as a as the business owner, um, there must have been key milestones that you needed to achieve that went, okay, now we can open up those other service streams or now we can open up a Melbourne office and you know, going into the other states. Where, how did you identify that early? Because this is where I have a lot of exposure to the small to medium businesses and they don't take the opportunity where it's there to be taken and mm-hmm. it, instead of growing and, and moving to that next level, mm-hmm. they actually shrink back. What What were the things that you saw that said now's the time, now's the time to to open up that office, now's the time to bring on that service stream?
1: Well, I, I think key to it was that it, it, it's been planned growth so it's always been part of our vision to not only have this um, diversity in, in disciplines, but also to have a geographical spread. And so the idea is that, uh, you know, if, if Melbourne goes through a bit of a slump and Sydney's doing well, then we can migrate work across. So I, I've always believed that um, whatever you focus on, you're drawn towards. So it wasn't just an opportunity that, that popped up. It's something that we actively work towards. And part of that as well is with the, the, um, the customers that we have and served well, that uh, a lot of them are, are national clients. So it got to a stage where we, we had, um, uh, established ourselves as the, the trusted advisor with these clients. So then we were able to talk to them about moving to other locations and, and, and broadening the amount of work that we did to them. So the Adelaide office come about because with, with a, with a, a client of ours that they, they're uh, embarking on a rollout in Adelaide and they, uh, approached us initially and said, well, instead of trying to, to, start-up and train consultants over there, can you come along with us so that, uh, you, you know, we, we've got someone that's established and trusted and we can get on with this rollout. So so that was it, I guess. It wasn't just a matter of saying, well... By this
0: date, I'm going to be in Adelaide. No, no, yeah. no
1: it was. it's all about establishing these, these re- relationships. And part of it is, I guess, that, that success breeds success. Hmm. So as soon as we, we've had some success... With what we do and how we go about it with this with this approach, with one client, then we can get leverage off that for another client. And when we have it in one location, we can we can take that same formula and that same referral base, and we can we can apply it somewhere else. So that's probably been part of it as well. As we've slowly built, we've been able to to uh, you know trade off the wins that we've had so far.
0: Mm. And the growth that you've gained now to go from in particularly in architectural or building services and consulting to go from zero to 33. In the years that we've discussed, we've had the global financial crisis in that time. We've had a soft economy and building consultants across the board have actually been challenged, particularly over the last four years. And you've taken that time to actually grow your business. So you're 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 actually going against the against the grain and you're going against the tide of your industry. Tell us how that that happened.
1: Yeah, I I think as well that um, a lot of the consultants that, that were uh, that that have been affected. It, it's probably a couple of things. So one the the very large consultants of course got hit a, hit a lot. So where there's 100 of them, and the others
0: big overheads, big big, fees. big overheads
1: and fees, and, yeah. and to, it takes a lot to, to feed a big beast. And the the other side of the equation is the sectors they're in. So the the GFC hit um, developers; they it hit particularly the residential market. Mm. But when that started to, to happen, it was a focus on ours to target the, the retail commercial industry, and and even through the GFC and and recently that they've been. Um, very bullish mm. in their approach to the market. So you look at some of these main retail players, mm. and uh, you know they've been they're able growing to do a lot despite of work.
0: the economy. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, p-
1: part of it is, I guess we've we've been lucky that we've had a, a number of those as clients. So if you look, we can ride on their ride on their their Success, coattails. Yes. Yeah. But it was an active decision of ours in mm. terms of diversifying through the sectors. So instead of just saying, "Well, we're going to be a a specialist in high-end residential houses we made sure that we didn't have all our eggs in one basket Mm
0: -hmm. so general across retail commercial and residential well you haven't grown through a a specialization because a lot of small and boutique businesses do actually grow through a specialization but you've seemed to look at the bigger developers and go what do they do right i'm just going to mold and model that
1: well it's uh a lot of our bread and butter work earlier on was commercial retail. Mm. But what we've found, and this has probably been over the last two or three years, that we've had clients from other sectors coming to us be- because of this competitive edge that we have. This advantage of having a multi mm. approach and having it um, being able to deliver and focus on client outcomes uh, has meant that now we're doing a lot of work for not-for-profits, we're doing some some education work university work as well we're doing service apartments hotels mm. we're doing medical
0: centers fantastic so so um, you, you you started with one market but then other markets saw what you're doing said i want that style of service as well
1: Uh, yeah yeah and uh, they saw it because i guess we presented it to them so Mm -hmm. so it uh, so you
0: you you were bullish in that regard yeah we we went out and said look
1: what what we're doing for for these guys and this is the results and i know it's a different sector but this is how we think we could really hone in on what Mm. what would it would assist you and 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 give good outcomes to to your projects
0: Mm, very good when did you know you needed to grow your staff? So tell us a little bit about the growth trajectory in terms of bringing it from Peter being sole principal, sole architect of select architects to, to just that that first growth stages and, yeah. and how that was achieved.
1: Well I think for a lot of small businesses it's it's difficult. when you start off you're um, you're the receptionist and you're the coffee maker, the photocopy boy and everything. And part of what we, had, the, the challenge we had earlier on, and I guess it, it happens a lot that you'll say, okay, I'm growing. How, how do I get my structure and my platform right? And then you'll implement that. And by the time it's implemented, you've already outgrown it and you go through this cyclical, cyclical part. But it, it was a number of, uh, oh, probably a couple of years ago that through business coaching, the idea was to say, well, where, where do we want to be? If this is our vision, how do we set up? A flexible structure and how do we start to get a platform that's geared for an appetite for growth so instead of just looking at that snapshot of where we were then we we started to actively bring people in for key positions mm-hmm. and it, it was pretty tough in, in terms of because you're you're starting to put that structure on where you are now yep. in terms of cash flow and everything else it, it was tough to make those calls but it was because we've made those calls mm. that we've been able to to grow the way we have, and this is part of it. I guess you, you can always grow, but mm. if you haven't got the infrastructure, your, your delivery suffers. So That's what right. you were doing well before, you can't do now. So that was probably the key. So the key appointments we've made are, are um, probably to to release me a bit so I can become more uh, strategic in what I do. So not so much on the ground. So we've we've uh, we appointed an operations manager. who who took over that we've appointed a um a finance accounts manager as well so even though we have separate offices to make sure that um we're still getting the same efficiency the same same quality we, we still operate as a group so we we do migrate work between offices and we work on the same projects in between offices so it is a real team so that means instead of each office having uh, just
0: their geographic yeah, work, yeah, work the geographic
1: on. work or even a management system to say well here's here's the structure for melbourne here's the structure for adelaide we've got a centralized structure so th- that was probably the mm. key to it to mm. realize that we it's it's not just about reacting we've got to be proactive mm. in terms of um getting the structure right getting a platform right so then a year's time if we're if, we've, if we're you know twice as big as we are and we're bringing on these disciplines that what we're setting up here can can cope with this mm. yeah
0: looking back is there anything you would change in how you grew
1: it's, it's it, it, yeah.
0: there's the benefit of hindsight yeah. all, all the time as you grow a business
1: I, I guess that uh, the the main thing is and it's easy to say now because'm I'm, I'm not back then is... Really, to target in on, on the on the 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 type of work that you do, and what I mean by this is that probably four or five years ago, we were very very uh, um, busy and, and frantic, and you know a lot of people can mistake movement for success because we're busy all the time. It must mean that we're successful. So some of the projects that that we took on board really didn't contribute that much to our vision. And what I mean by that, it might be, um, so, some of the, the smaller residential work or competing in the, the, the for clients in the project mm. home market. It's not, it's not where we, we probably should have been. Mm. So it w- in hindsight, if we were more discerning in a type of work that we didn't focused, um, on, on going out there and getting the, the right sort of projects that are the sis- sisters in that, that, um, it probably would have been uh, an easier journey mm. for
0: us a lot of small business owners when they're starting out any business is good business Ooh. and you know and it's hard to see from a visionary perspective of what you want to become when you're working in the present day and i would say that issue that you've raised is probably one that every small business owner faces going this is where we want to go. Oh, we've got something small to work on. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, didn't we just tell ourselves, didn't our conscious vote say not to do that work? Yeah, but we still yeah. do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Now that you've grown and reflecting back, what would be some of the benefits or achievements you've gained because you did grow?
1: Well, I think part of the key um, accomplishments or what is presented is be- because we've got to a am- mass now that we are offering different disciplines, you know, all those ones that I spoke about earlier. And uh, we're, we're not that large, we're still a medium-sized team. It means that we're able to deliver what the vision of the group is. So that's Fantastic. probably the main accomplishments that we've had, but it also presents us with the opportunity that we're after as well. And it, with, with where we're at, it means that uh, often now we're we're competing against much larger disciplines. So so some of the architectural firms that we come up against are a lot larger. The town planning firms, uh, the land surveying, project management firms. But the advantage that we've got is that uh, we're at a size that we're still very nimble, that we're not set up in the the, the machines of these big organisations, and that our clients and customers know that they'll get a senior per- person working on it. Like one of the criticisms when, when you go to some of these larger firms is that- The graduates you, yeah, working on it. Yeah, they'll get you in the door, but after a little while that you'll be working with a grad. Hmm. So, we'll, we'll, And we still have a, a trainee process. We've got a, a lot of um, grads that are coming out and even students are working with us and a mentor system. But that's that's where we're sitting at the moment. One of our advantages is that, that uh, who we come head-to-head with are a lot bigger than us and we can turn around things a lot quicker and they- they get to to deal with with senior senior people
0: i'm looking at that that growth again um looking at the team that you now have around you in the early days was it easy or difficult to attract your staff
1: uh it's probably easier now
0: Mm.
1: yeah particularly um
0: because before, when when you employed an architect, for example, it wasn't why select; it would be who select.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly who you are. And you, I guess you don't have. And I've always been very passionate about the vision and where, where we're heading. But until you get a few runs on the board and that type of thing, you say, "Well, and this is how it was applied." Here's some things that we've done. Um, it becomes a, a lot more tangible. So it 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 probably is a lot easier now.
0: And and the people that you employ, are they, are they in skill shortage arenas or are there, there quite sufficient supply um, of the candidate groupings? Um, so the question is, did you have to engage any creative sourcing strategies to attract staff or was it um, more traditional um, candidate sourcing mechanisms like using the job boards and, and so forth? Uh,
1: for, for some of the um, more technical positions, At the moment, probably for the last two three years, there is a there is a a good supply, so we did just use traditional methods.
0: I am thinking two thousand and six seven, not so much. No, no, (laughs) they wouldn't have been, yeah, out there.
1: It was probably at a time even back then. I guess because we're still in our infancy, we weren't we weren't probably pushing as much. But where where we've um, where we've had to think outside the square is is more for for some of the senior team to make sure that we're. um, we're not we're not only attracting the right people to to do the job now, but we're right skilling for the future of the business and this whole platform to make sure in two years' time that that the people we're going on now suit where we want to be at that stage. Mm. And that's where it gets a bit di- bit more difficult. Mm. Yeah,
0: so you're being true to your vision as you employ staff is is looking for those those ones that are going to head up what you're going to become. Exactly. And achieving that vision
1: yeah, and be able to do what we now mm. now can and that, that's probably one of the things early on that didn't work that well mm. is that um, you know' we're, we were looking at, at at people to do the job now rather than then spending the time to say well what what's the the description the position description that we need not only for now but for the future of the business and that's what we recruit mm. around that mm. position rather than just looking at the person mm. who can you can sit down and get through what we've got.
0: Yeah. And so what are some of the tools and techniques that you go about finding these people? Is it rubbing shoulders with the network? What do you do?
1: We've, we've tried quite a few. I'm not going to say that they've all been successful, but um, we've uh, recruited from interstate. So uh, we, we have one of the guys we've got working for us, worked in Queensland, worked uh, very closely with a, with a client of ours, so, through through his relocation, we were able to, to get him into our office. We've um, we've also tried recruiting in the UK and Ireland because they're doing. They were, I think, things are turning a bit now, but they were doing a lot tougher than us. So what we found is that the the pond was a, a lot deeper over there. So we've uh, we turned our hand to that.
0: Is there some disciplines which? Um, readily can be transferred across internationally and some disciplines that absolutely need to have that local knowledge
1: it's uh from what we're doing i guess even at that senior level because it's not the 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 hands-on thing that a lot of them can be transferred across Mm. and and particularly with the UK and Ireland, their, their system and uh, their standards and uh, there's an alignment with ours. Mm. Sure, they're, they're different, but in terms of the way they're set out, they're very similar.
0: Mm.
1: So there is there's that easy, there is an easy transition But that's the for all.
0: the more senior. That's for the mean senior and that's... Yep
1: and that's what what mm. we were struggling with so mm-hmm. I guess that's why we went over there.
0: Mm. Did you just do a I'm coming to the UK and who did you have to sort of line up in terms of those partnerships and and people who could introduce you to those um, individuals or was it just again going on to the job board in the UK and and putting an ad up? Well,
1: well there were there were a couple to, so it was the job boards mm. but there was also because I I lived and worked over there for a while and we've uh, we have a couple of Brits in the office as well, so they were able to tap into their networks as well mm. and see who was about. So there, there were a couple of avenues that we had. The, I guess the, the main the main obstacle we had was that it wasn't the the uh, the difficulty of getting them across here in terms of, of visas or their, their knowledge and all that type of thing. But everyone, particularly if they're a bit senior, they've They've got an established life and family, relationships and all that type of thing. So even though that they put forward for the job, what we found in two occasions when it comes to the crunch, they said, we no, can't we can't do it. You know, yeah. oh, my, my mother's got ill and I've got to stay or the, the children are halfway through primary school so we've rethought it and they've got to put it through. So it was always for personal mm. reasons mm. why that shift was the hardest
0: them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Any other sourcing techniques that you've used
1: sure well the other one is uh to to look at other other um uh within an industry and and have a look at who the the players in that industry are and to to try and get get in front of them so it's and that's
0: through business associations industry associations is it a linkedin group
1: Uh, not necessarily linkedin I, i guess it's the people that we knew within the industry and and even uh, referrals from in the, within the industry mm-hmm. and then to engage um, consultants to go out and, and get us in front of them mm-hmm. and that was the main thing. So to, to find out, well, for, this is the position we had, who would be the person for that mm. and then they mightn't be looking for work mm. but then to get in front we of them. We would like and, to
0: present the opportunity. Yeah,
1: mm. and, and sell them the vision of what, mm. what we're up to and the opportunities and where we're yeah. heading and where we've come from.
0: So I think in all of those sourcing strategies, there's not much traditional sourcing. You're using new age sourcing strategies to get your people.
1: Particularly Mm. if if we want to get these these senior ones with a Mm. very specific Mm. skill set, Mm. uh, yeah.
0: Mm, Very good. In the startup of your business, is there any horror stories? Is there any, like every business, and I'm sure you have them, whether you want to air them or not <laughs> is your choice, um, but, you know, one of those, you know, whether it's a staffing or a, something that just failed dismally, um, you know, in terms of the as you've gone through, you know, eight years is now, you know, the best part of a decade mm-hmm. um, of experiences.
1: Well, I, I think... The, the In terms of staffing, it's probably a couple of times now. I wouldn't call it a disaster, but what we, we've probably learnt from is when you're really busy and, and uh, you're out there looking for staff, it takes a little bit longer that you don't go through the due diligence that you should. So on paper, these people look great and they present all, all, uh, fairly well. But when we've put them on, then nothing. Like what they've made out to be. Yeah. And uh, whereas you, you wouldn't do it otherwise, you, you sort of get a bit frantic and you think, well, we, we need to put someone on. Mm. But that does more damage than good.
0: Yeah. Particularly you win a contract, you win a project, and there's key deliverables, mm. and you know that you're two, three resources down. It's more of a knee jerk reaction than a strategic process.
1: A, a knee jerk reaction. And then when they go, you spend that much time undoing the bad work that they've done before you can relaunch. <laughs> so that, that's that's probably the key one is, yeah. is is making sure that process is right and and ensuring that um, you know you don't compromise yourself. Mm. That as a as a business, as an organisation, and where we're heading heading, we deserve the best. Yeah. And if we if we can't get them, then then we'll make do till we get the right people that deserve to be part of this team.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, when you're when you're flat chat and I see and have experienced this myself, um, there's that temptation to just yeah make up for the weaknesses that you see. You you actually your gut tells you, Oh, I'm not really sure about this part, but we can make it work. Mm-hmm. And you convince yourself that it, it, it can be done yeah. and then you bring them on and you go, oh, that gut feel, I should have listened to it. <laughs> and you're right, you're sort of going down a journey which you know has only got one outcome and that's the, the sort of release and replace scenario. The next question is, what was the best employment decision you have made so far?
1: The, the, there's some key people that we have in the senior team. So probably the best in employment decision was was to step back and strategically work out what the structure of the business should be and we've recruited to those positions for the future so it, there's a number of appointments that we've made and they've all been great but it's it's really stepping back and saying well who do who do we need at a senior level to be able to to fit in and, and help us move to the next level and help us evolve. How do so we? So was it this?
0: one person or several people to achieve that structure?
1: There, there's been an order, but there's probably been a several people to, to come into it all. Mm. But but the achievement was to to take the time and step back and take a deep breath and and on advice say well, you know, who, what what should we look like and how how do we start to define who should do what what their positions are so we're right skilling the business for growth. Mm. How can we get a platform that can, can accommodate our appetite for growth with everything else that we've got to do?
0: Lending some advice to other people who are potentially two, three years into running their own business and they want to pursue growth. Do you have any advice for small companies or business owners who are pursuing growth to the next level?
1: yeah once again it's easy to say but in hindsight in hindsight it's it it is you must
0: have had some pain points along the way and and
1: there's been a lot of them and sometimes you can you know your head's down and you can't you you just can't see the wood for the trees but probably the key advice is even, even if you can do it and take some time and and is to get some business coaching and and to work strategically on your business so and it's difficult because you've still got to get the work out the door. But if you can take the time, it doesn't matter what t- size you are, is to get that, that care advice, get some mentorship, get some business coaching and then to step back. And it, it, it might be once a quarter, once a week, once a month, whatever you can afford. And then step back and think strategically about where you are and what you need to do to get to the, to the next point and start setting yourself some goals around that.
0: So you knew your vision. But to how to actually achieve that, perhaps that's where you needed the support and the advice.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Next question is what's next for Select Group?
1: Well, the the, the, the next step that we have is just to, to strengthen our group and our service offering. As I was talking earlier on, there's there's, there's so much we can do in terms of having a, a, a development arm. Uh, putting together, uh, you know, we don't have engineering yet, so we, we can start to strengthen that into it as well. So looking through the different disciplines and also looking at how we can better service our clients. And part of that is is a, is a future geographic spread. So the, the clients that we have now, if they're going to benefit from us opening a, a Sydney office, uh, a, an Auckland office, or wherever it is, that's probably where we're going to head as well. So it really is to, um, to strengthen what we are and what we can do and, and how we can really add value to clients, and that's what we're about.
0: So who should be the most concerned about Select Group? Are we talking the Lend Leases of the world? Watch, watch your back, Lend Lease. We've got another player, mm. or is it your big developers? Um, but
1: and, and this is – I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if it is then because what we're doing – and this is our competitive advantage. There's not there's not many out there doing it, mm. and there are multidisciplinary companies uh, that uh, that specialise. And some of them uh, have have come from a land surveying, you know. So they'll have they might have um, town planning associations as well, and, and offer different services. But in terms of our vision, that we we really want uh, an all embodied to be able to do do all that. There's there's not a lot of people out there, not a lot of companies that are doing it. So I don't think we're sending shivers up the spines of those big boys yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But watch this space. You may well do. Mm. Peter, I really do appreciate you spending the time to speak with us today. There's a lot of learning. You've gone that next step of business growth, which a lot of small business owners watch in awe, and they think, that's where I want to be. And you've just shared some pearls along you know, the line of how you've achieved it and that's learning for anyone who's looking to pursue growth. Perhaps they've made, you know, that wrong decision on staffing and they go, yeah, I've got to stay, stay true to my vision and what is that vision and take that time to strategically look at their business, their company and what they want to achieve. Mm. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Marae. That was a great interview with Peter Sarah any company or owner of a business that is looking to grow and has an appetite for growth can learn a lot uh, from Peter's experience. And I believe he has navigated that growth trajectory extremely well. And just to share some of my take-homes, which I got um, from our discussion, and it's really valuable, I think, that um, applies not only to small business, but also medium business as well. Um, And one of the first things he mentioned was know what your vision is, know what you where you want to play and what you want to do. I say start with the end in mind. And he did that. So he knew very early that he was going to be a multidisciplinary consulting firm. And I do apologize, Peter, in the lead up for the podcast, I said you're managing director of Select group and select architects, where you've now um, merged from what was select architects to select group. But Peter always had this vision of multidisciplinary approach, various industry sectors that he would um, approach and service, and multi-state, so not just confined to one location, so having the geographic spread as well. And then uh, we talked about how he set up the platform early of what the business would look like so looking at the structure of the business how to how to have that appropriate responsibilities in the business and sure he was from day one, as he said, he did everything, but very quickly started to develop an organisation chart whereby he was delegating duties to different people. Um, He talked about bringing on an operations manager, which has now given a fair bit of separation, I would say, from Peter doing the strategic work and the business day to day. The same goes with the centralized finance uh, role, which is now servicing all three offices. So those are some things that he has now got in place. But he always had, again, an idea of what the structure of the business would look like. Now I also um, really gained a lot out of, you know, the growth trajectory he went on, and you know, he. He talked about in the early days um, yeah, it was about getting those first few people on um, and, yeah, it was more difficult earlier than it is later. But because he had such a crystallised vision, he had staff members that were buying into the vision, not necessarily the company that was select, but it was the vision that he had for the future. And, of course, once he had some runs on the board, he could talk about, you know, what they had achieved as well as the vision for the future. He also spoke about how he has to use different sourcing strategies to get his candidates, particularly at the top end, and that while technical disciplines, so those are the, the ones that would be hands-on more so in delivering the work, whether it be the architectural design, documentation, planning, and surveying to the actual more senior um people within the business and that his sourcing strategy for that group was using a lot of networks. So he'd worked in the UK himself. And so he channeled those networks. He he knew where to, to go to find these people. And he, he had some networks who could help him find some people with the talent that he was looking for. So that, was, that served him really well. And He also looked at um, the people who he knew in industry and asked, actively asked for referrals. So we're talking about alternative methods for sourcing. The next thing he discussed was um, some learning along the way and he said that when he got busy, perhaps he did not go through appropriate due diligence. Um, And, you know, there were some hires there that weren't a disaster, but definitely part of his learning. And um, he learnt from that to know, make sure you get the process right and don't compromise on the people. And again, early days, he continues to look at what the structure of the business is, and he knows the people he know he needs, not just for now, but strategically, who he needs in the business for the future. And uh, finally, yeah, he's been able to gain market share. Like how he's actually achieved it, um, he's been able to work better, deliver better than some of his larger competitors um, because he and the business with 33 employees is still nimble and can respond much faster than the larger um, competitors. And also he's put the senior people in his business. So the client is dealing with senior people. It's not a junior person delivering key parts of a project. He still has the juniors and traineeships and mentoring programs, which is fantastic to see. So he's also uh, encouraging growth from within. So I think that was pretty much the bulk of um, what I learned. There was there's so much there, particularly if you are a small business and looking to grow and you know, there'll be those challenges of, yeah, you know, we need to grow. Cash flow might be compromised, but we still need to pursue all the same. And despite how tight it can be for a period um, to bring those really relevant people on board that are just going to take you to that next stage in your growth. And if you don't, then you're not going to have the infrastructure to deliver to your clients, and then you will never grow. All fantastic learning. Again, Peter um, had a wealth of knowledge there and uh, we just thank him for the time that he did um, provide us in the interview for our Seeds for Success show. In our coming Seeds for Success shows, we are delighted to um, approach some specialists in the field of HR, human resources. So we're coming to the middle of the year, and quite often it's not about bringing people in, but it's effectively managing and motivating the team. So we're going to be talking with um, some experts. And um, so we've got Marie Harris, who is um, qualified PhD with a specialisation in helping engaged individuals be the best at their game by improving the soft skills. So we're going to have an interview coming up with Marie Harris, very similar in name to Marie Harris, And I'm also going to try, I'll see how I go. We're running a breakfast in May with a gentleman called Craig Bitterscombe, and he heads up the cultural consulting division of Crow Hallworth. And he will be presenting at our May breakfast on the 15th of May. And so I'm going to try and see if he'll squeeze in for an interview as well, just to share some of his thoughts around uh engaging your employees into the company culture. And I've got a meeting with him later this week, so I might just bring out the microphone and see how I go. So they're they're the two guests that we will have in the next couple of episodes of Seeds for Success. And I look forward to having your company. Are you growing your business like Peter Sarah was in our interview today? If you're on the growth trajectory, we'd love to partner with you and provide you with assistances and support as you grow your business. Harvest Recruitment is particularly qualified in scaling up businesses and we can find the people that are going to be the strategic inputs into the growth of your business for the future. Alternatively, you might have some of those difficult-to-fill roles that Peter also mentioned uh, where the skills weren't necessarily present and you might need to bring them in from interstate or internationally, in fact. Again, it's our expertise is to actually go and find an approach on our clients behalf. So we'd love to hear from you if you do have one of those needs. If you are growing your business, we have a range of services depending on the size of your company. So give us a call 1300 363 128 or jump on our website harvesthr.com.au and get in touch. Thank you and enjoy your week. You have been listening to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show with Marie Harris. Want to cultivate your employment prowess? Then visit harvesthr.com.au.